welcome to Successful Farming's In the Field, powered by ExtremeMag.Farm. I'm Bill Spiegel, Crops Editor for Successful Farming and Agriculture.com. 2020 has been a volatile year for corn and soybean growers. Weather, trade, and price have kept all of us on our toes. And now that harvest is well underway, we're learning much more about how to cope with this volatility. In this program, we'll hear from three farmers from ExtremeAg.Farm, a community of top-notch farmers from across the U.S. who provide a mentorship experience to members of that online community. Kelly Garrett, who farms near Arian, Iowa, talks about harvesting corn and soybeans affected by this summer's Derecho event in that state. And near East Bend, North Carolina, Kevin Matthews has dealt with two hurricane events in 2020. He tells us more about corn and soybean harvest from the Old North State. And wrapping up our farmer interviews is Matt Miles from McGee, Arkansas. Miles also dealt with severe weather adversity in 2020. Kelly, you uh, were fortunate enough to catch you out in the field today. Where are you at? I'm about 10 miles west of Denison or six miles south of Charter Oak, Iowa, in Cro okay. Western Crawford County. Gotcha. And and uh, what, are, what are you harvesting today? Corn. Okay. Have you had soybean harvest yet? Yes. Soybean harvest we completed uh, a week ago. Okay. So uh, how has harvest gone for you so far as far as yields and conditions? Uh, the conditions have been really easy, which is nice because this year hasn't gone very easy. Uh, the yields are a bit disappointing. On August 9th, I saw I saw a record crop in the field, or what I thought was the potential for a record crop for us. And uh, on August 10th, we had the derecho. Uh, my dad and I farm about 6,200 acres, and every acre that we farm was touched by that, by either hail or wind. I thought we were raising a 75, potentially even 80 bushel bean crop. And they came across, you know, we had about 1,900 acres of beans this year. They went across the scale at 59. So we feel that it took, you know, an easy 10, if not 15 bushel off the beans. And how about the corn so far? The corn, um, you know, I, I have a high yield plot where my house and my shop are. I live on an 80 and uh, there's about a 60 acre field there that is under the Netafim drip irrigation. And I was trying to set the state record of Francis Childs at 442. Uh, I don't know if I would have gotten it or not, obviously, but uh, things looked really good. I had that, that corn was planted at a population of 50,000. It looked tremendous. And that is the worst hit area I have because of that high population. I, I knew it was a risk when I planted it, but you know, when, when you're trying to do something like that, you gotta take a shot. Uh, it was a variable rate planting wreck. Uh, 38,000 in the end rows in the other areas. And then where I know the, uh, there's about 10 acres there that is uh, pretty good yielding, you know, pretty good dirt. And so that variable rate, that population up to 50,000. And you can see to almost to the plant where that changed because that high population did not withstand the wind. The other corn that we're in, you know, I, the cornfield I'm in now, you know, I, I would have expected it on August 9th again, I would have expected 230 bushel corn it's making about 180 because of the hail you know the dry weather had a bit of an effect too but uh you get down you know we're in the hills here in crawford county you get down behind the hill where it's protected and it goes up to 232 4250 but when you get up on the ridge it's uh, 120 from the hail and the wind so do, uh, the weather played a part how do corn and soybean yields compare this year versus long-term average for you 
the beans, you know, lately we feel like we've kind of figured the beans out. And if I don't raise 65 bushel beans now, I'm really disappointed. And I really expect 70. But, you know, when you're going back over the my 25-year farming career, a 59 bushel bean yield would be above average. Uh, 180 bushel corn, I would say, is a bit below average. You know, we would expect more than that the last, oh, the last 10 or 12 years for sure. Anything under 220 the last 10 years is is kind of disappointing. What new practices did you try for 2020? And given the fact that we've had some environmental conditions, would they have paid off? The, the thing that I concentrated on the most was trying to break what I have as my perceived yield ceiling in soybeans. Uh, 70, 75 bushel dry land beans and 90 bushel irrigated beans have been a challenge for me to get over. So Lee Lubers does a lot. Lee Lubers doesn't believe in a lot of infertile stuff. He believes in a lot of base for, you know, a good base fertility program, which I think we have. And then he ha likes to have a pretty extensive foliar program. And it's not a lot of money. You know, you're talking $22 an acre, $25 an acre, but it's what products you put on and when you put them on. Timing is very critical. So we had five or six foliar trials throughout, you know, those 1900 acres. And we had a five to 10 bushel yield response with three of them. Uh, a couple of them, there was no yield response. And uh, I, I think it, I think a lot of it was because be, due to that storm, there was added stress to the crop and that foliar treatment tr kind of mitigated that, re that stress, relaxed it, you know. Um, now the foliar trials I put on the irrigation, they really didn't show anything because the hail beat it up enough that there wasn't an extra yield gain from the irrigation. But in that dry land area, I feel like we learned quite a bit and I, I really, I know what I'm going to do next year on my whole crop now. I, yeah. I think I learned a lot. Next, next thing is what have you learned this year, in both corn and soybeans that you'll take on to 2021? I'm going to, I'm going to have a foliar treatment on all my beans. I will spray that foliar treatment and fung fungicide at R1 and R5. Instead of just having a single treatment at R3, it will be worth the time, effort and money to go out there twice. That, that would be on beans. On corn, we variable rate plant everything based on the yield. We call it seeding optimization. And the, you know, the simple answer to what that is, is we try to raise a half a pound of grain per stock, per plant. And I've been kind of in a window where my high yielding areas, I'll plant 32, 32 and a half thousand. In my low yielding areas, I'll plant 24,000. I'm going to widen that window and I'm going to go from 20 to 35 because we feel like we're figuring things out. And uh, um, I, I'm going to put a few more seeds in those good areas and I'm going to take a few from those bad areas. I pro I won't spend any more money on seed, but I will put it where it needs to be and there will be an ROI on that. We save a lot of money. The seeding optimization, when I started doing that, I feel it saves me $15 an acre every year over just blanket rate. Uh, you've got some winter wheat going in, is, and I assume that's right behind soybeans, correct? How, how's that yes. working? Good. You know, we've put it in behind corn before, but that extra stover out there, it, it's tough to establish a good stand. So we like to put it in behind beans. We'll plant some early beans, get them harvested, you know, realize that basis opportunity with those beans. And then we want to have our uh, winter wheat planted early to establish some good root growth and some good growth in the fall. That's a key to yield next the next year. Very good. Kelly Garrett from Arian, Iowa. Thanks for joining us and uh, we'll catch up with you down the road.
Thank you. It was a great time. I appreciate it. We're joined here by Kevin Matthews uh, with Matthews Family Farms in East Bend, North Carolina. Kevin, uh, how's harvest progress going for you? We're about uh, right at a little over half done on corn. Uh, rather be a little further along than that this time of year. Soybeans, we're about a third done, and um, we just had another hurricane event come through. On, we got rained out Friday night, and uh, so we're not able to harvest uh, three to four inches of rain. Uh, finally got some sunlight here just a few hours ago, starting to dry out. Uh, we're standing here with some soybeans and corn and river bottoms in the background. We're just uh, ready to get this harvest wrapped up and get our small grain planted and kind of move on. Kevin, uh, you said this is the, uh, another hurricane. Uh, just kind of tell me a little bit about the weather conditions so far in 2020. Yeah, the um, May, well, April and May was very wet. So we was delayed. A lot of our river bottoms were flooded. So we had to replant uh, a lot of replants. We was fortunate with a very small amount of replants. However, hold on. But um, so we had a small amount of replants to do. A lot of people had a tremendous amount of replants. Uh, fortunately, with the weather forecasting that we pay attention to, we held up one week on planting. Very difficult decision to do, but almost every acre of corn that was planted that week was replanted. So I looked pretty smart at the end of the day, but honestly, it was just pure luck. The Lord blessed us not to be planting. So we wrapped up uh, first, uh, it was about the 10th of June by the time everybody got done planting corn in the river bottoms. That's pretty late for us, but it's fine in river bottoms. You don't have no yield reduction at that stage. Then we got another flood and we had to replant some of that corn. So we actually did a replant the June 27th. Now that's getting late for us. That corn looks like, you know, we went with 105 days, so it's probably going to be 170, 180. I'm very impressed with it for what it's been through to be planted that late. Um, we did fungicide heavy. We fungicide every acre heavy. Then um, we had a pretty deep, we had a little dry spell through June and July, and then the rain started uh, back. We never really got this plum critically dry. We got maybe about a week or two during some pollination. So there's a few corn varieties that hit that timing with plant dates that um, uh, our fields and our, some of our neighbors have seen pollination issues, but that's very few. Coming off three bad years here in the Carolinas, this year's been pretty good for us, but you go just east of Raleigh down on the coast in the Blacklands and all, and they're off about 30% this year. Um, they, it's pretty sad. They really needed the same good year that we've gotten right here. Um, the commodity prices has come back. Um, attitudes is getting a little better. Stress levels on uh, all of us is uh, getting a little easier. And, and it's just kind of nice to see some commodity prices where you can be profitable and good yields too. Kevin, uh, uh, you have both the irrigated and dry land acres. Uh, ha have you seen any difference in, in yields between the two? Our irrigated, we we have harvested one farm of corn and with soybean of corn and one farm of soybeans. The soybeans we had this zero solar radiation this time during grain fill on corn and soybeans. We track that very detailed. That's a really important aspect in driving these yields to the next uh, next uh, plateau. So 
we was right around 290, and that's normally we want to be 305, 310 on irrigated corn, so we was off some there. Our soybeans was just, I mean, 100 bushel beans are great, don't get me wrong, but they, that's just what they were. They wasn't no 140s or nothing like that. It was just 98 to 114 is pretty much where they all stayed at. Uh, we got a lot of our variety plots done. I was reviewing those results this morning, trying to match them up with our solar radiation and and our temperatures and um, on soybeans. So, you know, a 90 plus bushel soybean is an awesome yield on irrigation, no question about it. But, mm -hmm. you know, we've four years in a row, we've not been under 100 on a irrigated average. So you, you don't like coming under. These beans right here is a low population study we're doing. And, um, we will, uh, there's a final population of about 70,000, and it's going to be pretty interesting to see how they cut later this week. But we're, they're definitely in that 100 bushel range. They're very strong looking beans. The yeah. corn is just no big yields, but it's really good farm averages. And I will take that over a big NCGA yield anytime. The farm average is where it's at. Yeah. What is that farm average then? Uh, dry land on the upland. So we have two different environments. We have our upland, which is rolling hills, gets kind of steep at times, red clay land, and then we got our river bottoms, which is really flat, rich, dark land, and it does have some sand ridges in it. The uh, upland, we're running about 165 to 180 right in there, probably end up averaging somewhere around 175. Our bottoms is, uh, we just kind of expect them to be in that 190 to 210 range, and we hadn't got into them yet. Normally, we let our river bottoms pull our upland up, and then our irrigated also adds. We're looking for a whole farm average in that 180 to 190 range is what we're looking at. Um, and the last three years, we was 128 due to hurricane damage, and then it was a disaster. Then we was a one. 40 something and then a 152, 154 actually. So our APH is usually in that 170 to 180 range. So we've had three bad years in a row and I, you know, we're really happy to have a, a average year and on soybeans it'll be above average. Kevin, uh, thanks for joining us. Kevin Matthews from East Bend, North Carolina, Matthews Family Farms. Appreciate you giving us a harvest update and uh, we'll look forward to catching you again down the road. Yeah, we appreciate it, and uh, Extreme Ag, we're grateful for all the support that we get, and uh, one thing we always, uh, you know, want to remind everybody is just, just please be safe out there and take care. Matt Miles, uh, McGee, Arkansas, uh, thanks for joining us today, Matt. I know that uh, you're kind of in the middle of harvest right now. Um, how are things going so far in, in corn and soybean harvest 2020? Well, you know, we, we finished our corn early. We're, we're in the south, so we're, uh, we're kind of nestled in right at the Mississippi River. Uh, we're, as a crow flies, probably 10 miles from Mississippi and 25 miles from Louisiana. So we're kind of in that corner. Uh, got our corn harvested, you know, fairly early. I think we were through maybe middle of September with that uh, for the most part. Um, Soybean harvest was a little bit bigger challenge. Of course, if, if you've been watching the weather any, you know we've had three major uh, hurricanes or tropical storms come through, and we have just been absolutely pounded uh, with with bad weather. Fortunately, we we made some you know we made some decisions back in the spring, um, you know, and, and I guess I'm maybe jumping ahead. 
but this spring was one of the wettest springs we had on record. So all of our crops basically got planted in a 10 to 12 day window all at one time. Uh, rice and our corn was about a month late. Um, soybeans and cotton were basically on time. Peanuts, we, we tried peanuts this year. They were, they were on time too. But we could see in the spring what was fixing to happen. So, uh, and then we had some, some, some different reports that the, you know, the Gulf was gonna be pretty active with tropical storms. So we adjusted some with our machines, uh, did some, some equipment trading, leased some machines back so that we were prepared for that. Uh, as much as you can be prepared for three hurricanes, you know. So uh, it, it's been probably, and I don't wanna be, you know, Debbie Downer, but it's probably been the worst harvest that I've ever experienced in my 35 years of farming. Um, Luckily, we had the right equipment. We were able to uh, to get a lot of stuff out, you know, in a timely manner. We didn't have a lot of crops that spoiled in the field. What we did have, uh, you know, when, when Laura come through here, uh, we had 60, 65 mile an hour straight line winds, and, and we had about 1,500 acres of rice, and about 1,300 of that blew flat on the ground. So it, it's not like we you know, it's, it's, a, it's a little harder to get off the ground. It'll sprout down there. Uh, rice is grown in our, in our mo most of the time, our worst soils. So our more mucky, the, the, be the, wor the, the worse the soil is, the better the rice grows. You know, it's basically the only crop you can grow on some of these poor soils that, that really shines. So uh, it, it was tough. I mean, to be honest with you, we got through with our soybean harvest last Thursday. Uh, no, last Tuesday, and uh, ended up taking all of our machines to my one of my family members. That's one thing we try to do is is you know if we've got neighbors or or, or family members with crops still in the field, and we get through, we go get them. Uh, so that's currently where we are now. We're in the we're still in soybean harvest. We so, harvested ours. Now we're on his. We like about twenty five hundred acres. Having him finished up, and uh, we're also in the cotton. You know we like. 30% of our cotton and probably 60% of our peanuts. Matt, uh, uh, it's always a good feeling to get the crops out, get your own crops out in the bin. How was corn and soybean harvest this year? What, what were yields like for you? Yields on the corn was, was average, uh, maybe a little better than our, than our average, you know, somewhere around, you know, our average five year average, uh, soybeans was on the high side. Uh, we were, we were very blessed with, with good yields on the soybeans this year. They were really good. The, the later we got, the, the, the worse the yield got. But we ended up with a really nice average when everything was said and done. So, Matt, you've got your, your corn and soybeans out. Um, tell me how, how yields turned out for 2020 for those two crops. Well, uh, the yields were actually surprisingly uh, were, were good for us, uh, you know, treated us well. We struggle up here with corn yields because of the heat. Uh, we ended up with about a, on 2,200 acres, we ended up with about a 225 bushel uh, yield across the board on the corn. And uh, that's pretty respectable here in our area. And uh, soybeans was one of our better harvests. We had 4,000 acres of soybeans and they averaged 77. So uh, that's one of our, you know, I'd say that's in the top five of, uh, of some of our highest yields. You know, that many acres to get that kind of yield. Uh, so we were, we're pretty excited with that. Plus the markets look better. Uh, you know, just, you know, other battling the weather, you know, and the hurricanes, everything else is coming out pretty good. Yeah, that's good. So, uh, Matt, as you, you know, you're done with your portion of, of the 2020 crop, 
look ahead to 2021 and, and tell me what, what you might do differently uh, for 2021. Well, one thing, you know, I, I was kind of forced into planting my corn later this year, uh, simply because of the weather. And uh, my, my consultant, Rob Devlin, he's a, he's a big part of our operation and he always pushes me to plant it later. Uh, Kevin Matthews, same way. He, he, he tries to get me to plant later and I'm kind of bullheaded towards, I need to get it in as early as I can because I'm gonna need these machines to go cut, you know, harvest soybeans. So uh, it opened my eyes uh, to that, which, you know, what I'm thinking about trying is maybe planting my corn a little bit later in, in, in more better soil conditions, uh, not get as much cold injury and uh, actually planting my soybeans earlier. Uh, you know, that's something the research has been showing the last few years is that, you know, beans probably should be planted before corn is. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm being open-minded to that. And, uh, you know, we're probably gonna try to, you know, be a little bit more efficient with our nitrogen use and our potash use. Uh, we've started splitting those potash applications up, our potassium applications up, uh, where it's not all front-end loaded. So that's something else in 21 we'll continue to work with because I think we're picking up some yield there, uh, you know, and just uh, that, that's probably the main things that, that I can see for next year that I would change. Good. Well, lots to look forward to in 2021. And Matt, we'll, uh, we'll keep abreast of you and the rest of the guys and, and learn what's going on and, and uh, look forward to visiting with you down the road. Matt McMiles with, at uh, McGee, Arkansas, thanks for joining us today. Yes, yes, sir. And thanks for having me. Above average yields, given the extreme weather conditions of 2020 in these three areas, are indicative of what we've seen throughout the heart of corn and soybean country this year. Let's hear from Al Kleiss, managing partner at Kleiss Commodity Advisors, as he sifts through the fall harvest reports and shares how an unprecedented grain rally has taken place. Al, you've had a chance to see what our friends from Extreme Ag uh, have done for, for 2020 as far as yields go. Um, I'm just kind of curious um, what's happened uh, with all of the grain markets since earlier this year. Bill, we've got a much different world than what we had in early August. When I look at uh, nearby corn prices, early August, it was at 320, many people forecasting going down below $3. The Duraco hit in Iowa, it turned very dry in Western Iowa, and um, the yield potential the U.S. went down. And so we put on uh, from 320, we hit 409 today. So we went up 89 cents a bushel in corn in about 10 weeks. Soybeans, uh, another big Big turn. We are at about 870 on nearby futures the first week of August. Then the dry weather pattern hit and beans are made in August or they're destroyed in August. And we took a lot off the off the soybean yield and we really saw the market advance. And from the low at 870, we hit a high of 1080. So about $2.10 up in the bean market in 10 weeks. That's a, a phenomenal movement, Al, that we've seen so far. What are the factors that have turned this these grain prices higher? I mentioned one of them, that is the, the drop in production. Uh, Iowa being a key production state, they had probably 880,000 acres, primarily of corn that's not going to be harvested because of Duraco. The extreme dry conditions really everywhere west of Interstate 35 in Iowa took their yield potential down, and the yield potential went down in southwest Minnesota, Nebraska, South Dakota, so many of the forecasts for 54 and 55 bushel beans turned out to be wrong. And the total planted acreage ended up being less. So you have less crops coming in, number one. Second, China. Man, have they been on a buying spree. I just totaled it up. 
and I'm assuming that about 60 to 80% of the USDA sales that are marked as being unknown are actually going to end up in China. They have bought, and these are mind-boggling numbers, Bill, about 510 million bushels of corn over the last three months. And that's for delivering this marketing year. Soybeans, they've purchased a record 1.2 billion bushels of soybeans. And so it's just been unrelentless. Day after day, they're buying three, four, six, eight cargoes of both corn and soybeans. And why are they buying it? They're really short of product over there. This week, nearby corn futures in the Dalian Exchange hit a record 970 a bushel. And so even when you put our freight onto it, our corn is cheap going into China. Uh, soybeans this week hit 1850 a bushel on the Dalian. Some of the interior markets are over $20. As recently as July, uh, bean futures and Dalian exchange, when you factor in the exchange rate, we're trading at 2350. So the, the China buying has really been a big factor. And then to add, a, add a little fuel to the fire, uh, we're seeing dry conditions down in South America. So three things, smaller crop in the U.S., huge and very active Chinese buying, and then some potential weather problems developing uh, in both Brazil and Argentina. Al, you're, uh, you're in the Twin Cities uh, right now. I'm in uh, uh, rural Kansas with corn and soybean harvest going on all around me. Uh, what, are you, what are you advising farmers to do at this point? Well, you have to stay disciplined. I mean, it's the, the news was really bearish in August, and yet it was below people's cost production. If you had crop insurance, it was really frustrating, but you really didn't have any financial risk. We've been selling into the market as it's went up. We had some bean hedges we put on at 980. Uh, we did some more at 1030. We did some more at 1068. So between hedges and puts, we have about half the bean crop covered. On uh, corn, uh, we've also been aggressive there. Uh, we've been making sales into the corn market. Our last target was at 408. We have some put options that aren't worth much anymore, but we have a minimum half of the crop sold. Longer term, I'm still optimistic on price, but these are levels we didn't dream of in early August. And for most people with trend line or better yields, we're finally back in a profit zone. And I'm not gonna wait till it falls out of the profit zone and then try to panic. So I've done this for over 40 years. And I'm a scale up disciplined sellers. I've got other offers in now up at 1118 on November beans and at 418 on December corn to make another 10% sale. I don't know where the top is, but I do know that if I stay the disciplined plan, making sales into the market as it goes up, usually when the trend turns lower, we end up with a good average selling price. So, Al, uh, gosh. What are, you, what are you looking for for the rest of the year? What, what, what should we as farmers, what should you as, as marketing advisors do uh, between now and the end of the year? I'm trying to look at, Bill, if we are, start to see any hint of price rationing. We've went up uh, really fast and really far. Are we going to start seeing any hog liquidation? Are we going to start seeing any ethanol plant shutdown? So that's one of the things that I'll be watching for. I probably watch the weather more closely in South America right now than I do in the U.S. The U.S. crop is going in very rapidly. The crop kind of is what it is, and so we're not going to see, I don't think, any big changes 
from the USDA as we get into the final crop production numbers in January. Really now all the focus is on South America, the weather patterns there. A second would be, is China just gonna keep on buying? I mean, they came in after their Golden Week holiday and continued to buy. And this again, you can watch the news, you can read the internet. This becomes more of a personal decision. What works for the profitability on your farm? And as you get these uh, markets moving higher and you get back into a good profit zone, I do expect a really rapid basis improvement after harvest. So we've rolled some of our hedges from December out into March corn. We've rolled some of our hedges from November out into January beans. Once this crop gets tucked away, we're gonna be seeing, I think, a significant basis improvement. Even though basis is good now, I think we can do better later on. And then finally, Bill, we're really looking also all the way out into 2021. You've got some 980 bean futures out there. Uh, you're part of the world. I think you've got some 580 July KC wheat. You're seeing some uh, corn prices get up around $4 in the December 21, December 22. And so when I see these type of rallies develop, I always look at getting the crop we have in the field gone, sold, but also I'm looking out at new crop pricing opportunities. Fantastic. Al Kleiss, uh, he's the managing director of Kleiss Marketing Advisors in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, you can also read him uh, on agriculture.com and in Successful Farming Magazine. Al, we appreciate your expertise and your guidance today, and uh, we'll look forward to checking in with you down the road. Okay. Very happy to work with you, Bill. Be safe, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. We'll be back in November for another edition of Successful Farming's In the Field, powered by ExtremeAg.Farm. Our thanks to the farmers of Extreme Ag, Matt Miles, Kevin Matthews, and Kelly Garrett, and to Al Kleiss of Kleiss Marketing Advisory Group for joining us on the program. Be sure to read more from Al and the Extreme Ag folks in Successful Farming Magazine and on agriculture.com.